just to confirm, the Riders are 0-5. Is that right? 0-5? Yeah. 0-5. 0-5. Travis, are our numbers right here? Yeah. Is that correct? You're correct. They once drove to Vancouver from Edmonton to go to the Grey Cup in a Toyota Matrix with summer tires while listening to the entire tragically hip discography they love their canadian football john fraser a winnipeg blue bombers fan and sports reporter from saskatoon does this mean i have to start researching and travis cura a saskatchewan rough riders fan and radio announcer from red deer does anybody want to do fantasy dancing with the stars next uh, season bring you the two and out cfl podcast every week fraser and cura will deliver news and fantasy analysis is from the Canadian Football League. And nonsense. Can't forget the nonsense. Grab some poutine and a double-double. It's time for the Two and Out Podcast. Ready, set, hunt! Welcome to episode 10 of the Two and Out CFL Podcast with Fraser and Kura. Man, what a weekend of football. It seems as though this is quarterback going down to Electric Boogaloo, though, this week. <laughs> that is true, and it feels like Friday was so long ago, but those two games, the Ottawa-Calgary and Toronto-BC games, that is what the CFL is all about. Well, and when we had Jamie Thomas from Sportsnet on the show uh, last week, it, we were talking about how we're all actually fans of the new rules in the CFL, and those two games on Friday... Those are what the new rules were designed to be. Not a whole pile of penalties, just good play, dramatic comebacks. The Ottawa all-caps pulling it out. By the way, get it ready. Get the get the trumpets ready. The official <laughs> counter is at nine, nine. more Ottawa wins. <laughs> this is awesome, of course. Nine more wins, and then Tyrell Ocher, friend of the podcast. He's in the 2 and Out CFL Podcast Fantasy League. He will, of course... Get the Brazilian. Oh, I don't even want to think of that. <laughs> but yes, nine nine more wins, uh, and the Ottawa All Caps they looked uh, they look good doing it. I mean, minus the uh, the voodoo, I think that it's been placed on the one point convert for some of these guys. But <laughs> Friday Friday night, I had just uh, I had worked uh, thirty hours in the previous two days, and I basically plopped my butt down on the couch, started watching the first game, the Stamps and All Caps, watched all the way through to the end of the Argos BC game. It was just it was a, a great Friday night of football. Uh, the rest of the weekend, though, I could take or leave. I do feel like the flow in all four games wasn't bad, and I will. The, the first half in the Winnipeg Edmonton game was ugly because of the the rain, and I I almost always thought that once they get the you know the turf in, that rain wouldn't matter. Man, did it ever matter? Four oh, three at halftime. That that was a that was a good hockey score. It's like the Jets and Oilers uh, <laughs> playing there for a while. But uh, you actually sat through it. You met up with some of the guys from the Eskimo yep. Empire podcast, and uh, it looked it looked like you were having a lot of fun uh, despite the rain. But as soon as the rain clouds uh, <laughs> parted, and Drew Willie realized that his knee had blown up, and then your fun bro- stopped. <laughs> Oh, I hated it. And then, you know, Brian Brom doesn't know how to... This guy has 160 or so combined pass attempts in the NFL and the CFL. Uh, He has zero touchdown passes to 10 career interceptions. Pardon me, 11. That's terrible. And I am on the Eskimo Empire podcast this week talking about the uh, Ryder game on Friday. So make sure you uh, check those guys out. I am on there to talk about that game, the one that I am not uh, particularly excited for. (laughs) Oh, boy. That one is going to be ugly for you Ryder fans. No, it's not. I mean, yes, it is. we we, We say this now. 
we say this now, and I bet you dollars to donuts that we're going to be like, oh yeah, Edmonton's going to throttle them, and then just to spite us, because neither of us can pick a winner, uh, <laughs> the uh, the uh, Riders are going to get their first win in Edmonton. I, I, I can't physically, with my brain, see how. But they'll do it because we're sitting here on the podcast saying, uh, oh, yeah, they're going to get their, their butts kicked. As a Ryder fan, I've always gauged how good the team is by how they play in Edmonton because it's such a tough stadium to play in for oh, yeah. any team. I mean, other than Calgary seems to go there and does well. But for any team, that is the worst stadium. I'd like to think that as a Ryder fan, Mosaic is uh, hard to play in. I mean, it's loud. I'd say Commonwealth and Tim Hortons Field, two of the toughest stadiums to get anything going in. Well, and nobody's had issues playing in Mosaic this year. They're 0-4 at home. What looked like it was going to be a nice loaded up (laughs) schedule for the Riders has uh, not been the case. But you're right, Commonwealth, uh, for all of its faults, Get sneaky loud. Like, it just yeah. seems like teams have a hard time coming in there. I mean, uh, again, Commonwealth is always that one that the casual sports fan and the casual sports writer will will blast because it looks half empty. And I've, I've been one on the record saying that they need, need a new, smaller building. And I think they do down the road. I'm not saying immediately, but... You look at it and you're like, oh, there's nobody there. Well, there's 30,000 people there. That's what everybody forgets. That's more than has been at the past two Ryder games. That is for sure. Yeah, and as we talk about the uh, Riders, we got to mention that we do have another guest on the podcast this week, Derek Taylor from Sports Center. TSN is going to be uh, coming on. And I mean, uh, we'd be foolish to think that we, we can't talk Riders with them now that they're on five. No, uh, we we can talk a lot. Uh, this man knows his football. If you ever uh, if you ever go through his Twitter feed, DT on SC, he's just he's watching every game yep. just like a fan, like the rest of us. That's one thing I've always loved about Derek Taylor. I love watching the guy on air, and uh, so it's going to be an absolute pleasure to have him on with us. I'm really looking forward to it. And before we get to the news, I do have to mention that uh, the CFL Twitter Awards are back this year. They do have a new category. Favorite podcast. And what were we? We were talking with Josh from Podski Wee Wee and Eskimo Empire. I believe I'm uh, sending out bribes of uh, your favorite kind of donut. And uh, we've all decided the Bismarck is uh, sneaky good. So uh, if you need something to push you over the edge, we all love we all love the other CFL podcasts out there. But seriously, vote for us or I will watch you while you sleep. <laughs> and you will do that. I will break into your house. I won't. I won't. You know what? I'll. I won't. I won't damage anything. I won't do anything nefarious. I'll just watch you while you sleep while eating a bowl of popcorn and not cleaning up my mess. Unless you snore as loud as I do, a la 2011 Grey Cup, when you actually oh. had to leave the hotel room. Oh, the, the, oh, well, that's because of the 2011 Grey Cup. All right, let's more story time. We often <laughs> drop these in. Because we can't tell all the stories all at once, because that's a podcast in itself. So the 2011 Grey Cup, you had rooms reserved with somebody else, and you, last minute they canceled on you, and they were your ride from, from Edmonton out to Vancouver. And basically so I what had up. happened was I had Wednesday through Sunday booked. Yes. And I had called them and said, no, I only need the Thursday through the Sunday. And uh, I said, I'll have the same room, right? And they're like, yep, yep, two double beds. <laughs> well... 
That wasn't the case. <laughs> no, we got in after a uh, after a stressful trip across Western Canada that that ended with a nervous breakdown while dealing with the multiple uh, stoplights in Vancouver after a twelve hour travel day. Um, we got in and found out that we had one queen size bed. Now we always joke that we're two overweight Canadian podcasters, but imagine you and your buddy just like trying to share a bed. And for the first few nights, it was fine because we, you know, we had enough booze and would retire at different at different points in the night. It all was well, but I'll never forget the night before the Grey Cup. I had I had kind of had my fill of uh, like I was at that point that I'm like I I don't know if I can drink anymore. This has been a long trip. So it's Saturday night, you know, I, I come back to bed early, you know, I'm mostly, I'm, I'm sober, I go to sleep. I was you, done before you. Oh, oh yeah, yeah, you were, I, I forgot. So I try going to sleep, and you were snoring so loud that I, I, I can't. Like, I got my headphones on, I got the TV <laughs> just cranked, I got everything, and I can't get over the, the, the course. I, I went out, and I went for a walk. I, I walked through downtown Vancouver at 3 in the morning because I just needed to make a relax and hopefully find a drugstore nearby that had sleeping pills, but alas! <laughs> no. So I believe the night before the Grey Cup game that night, I had maybe 20 minutes of sleep. <laughs> Thanks to your snoring. So if you snore like that, no, you're right. My threat of I will watch you sleep doesn't apply. But uh, outside of that, yes, don't vote for us or I'll watch you sleep. Or I'll buy you a jelly donut. One of Woo. the two. Time for the news. In the Huddle with Fraser and Kura on the Two It Out podcast. All right. So for the most part, Teams kind of came out of this weekend unscathed, except for uh, a couple. Kevin Glenn hurt shoulder for the Riders. <laughs> oh, yeah, I know. We'll get to the Bombers. Uh, Kevin Glenn hurts his shoulder for the Riders. Brendan Tamman went on a sports cage on a Monday saying... It's a little less than a 50-50 chance that he will be playing against Edmonton. So uh, if you've got uh, some debt, uh, maybe, uh, you know, a house, I would bet that on Edmonton winning on Friday. <laughs> well, uh, it's safe to say, and the way the Riders have arranged their practice schedule this week, I don't think, I mean, they're not going to tip their hand until game time. The Riders are going to yeah. do a closed practice on Wednesday. They're going to do a walkthrough in Edmonton on Thursday. As it's just a walkthrough, no balls actually get thrown. You'll see Kevin Glenn there, but uh, I, I would bet you dollars to donuts, or I would bet you donuts, that uh, we see some combination of Brett Smith and Tino Sinceri, and it's going to be ugly. Yeah, I mean... If you, I would, I would say the Riders maybe have a puncher's chance because I really like the tools that Smith brings to the table. He looked really good in the preseason. I like but him, yeah. I do, but you can't expect a rookie quarterback who's likely making his first career start to go from doing essentially mop-up duty on Sunday to starting and playing well on Friday with one practice in there. Um, I think if they had a long week, if they had two or three practices and they could run some scout team stuff, I would say they'd have a better chance. But uh, one practice for the rookie quarterback or, or Tino Sinceri, who, again, nice guy, great guy, love to have a beer with him, just not a good quarterback at the CFL level. But, uh, man... <laughs> Rider, I mean, and you're a Rider fan. I got to ask you, you were a hit away from Tino time returning uh, yeah. in Edmonton on Friday. Uh, are you curled up on a ball in the fetal position right now? Uh, 
I, I don't know. I think I'm kind of in a state of shock right now. Like on Sunday night, instead of going for the case of beer, I'm like, ah, it's Sunday. I got to work tomorrow. I went straight to Dairy Queen and just loaded up <laughs> ice cream. I saw you. That was the biggest blizzard I think I've seen. I, I, I didn't even know they made them that big. Did you just hand them like this giant cup and say, fill this with ice cream? Well, here's a little secret at, uh, at Dairy Queen. You know, they got the small, the medium, and large, but you can yeah. actually order... The jumbo, because <laughs> because the large <laughs> blizzard is actually a medium pop. But if you talk them into making the large pop into the jumbo blizzard, man, and it's the best, too, because I, I always go for the cookie dough when I'm stressed out, when I'm sad, my team's losing. If yep. they don't mix it good enough... All of the cookie dough sinks to the bottom, and it's like, yeah. So we now know of a secret menu item at Dairy Queen and what you need to make yourself feel better. Uh, you and I are both going to be in Lloydminster this weekend, yep. so uh, I fully expect to see you at the Dairy Queen by about probably halftime on uh, Friday. Maybe I'll come and give you a hug. <laughs> yeah, it's it's going to be a tough one. Here's my thing. I did. Um, uh, this is my rough count. This does include playoffs, though, which actually kind of makes the Riders' record at Commonwealth look a little bit better. Since 1990, the Saskatchewan Rough Riders are 11-34 and 34 at Commonwealth Stadium. <laughs> <laughs> that includes playoffs where they've actually won a few games. So uh, oh, I know who I'm that, picking. That's just that's just not not kind. Again, that sneaky home field. Like, yeah, I I still it, it seems to come out of nowhere that home field advantage in Edmonton though. Like you just you just don't think about it. The next thing you know, it's like nobody has a good record there. My Winnipeg Blue Bombers haven't haven't even scored a touchdown there in over a season. Yeah, it's it's not an easy place to play, and the Prairie teams do terrible there. It's 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 not fun. I don't know what it is because Commonwealth it doesn't get like super loud. I mean, it, it does get cranked up a little bit, but yeah, it, they they're just on another level. They're they're so comfortable there. They have an awesome training facility. They just play so awesome at home, especially uh, as the record says when the Riders come to town. Because there's been years when the Riders have been good. The Eskimos, you know, they're not the best team, especially the years after Ricky Ray left. Yep. Edmonton, nah, nah, we'll still beat these uh, Rough Rider teams that look to be, you know, trying to get into first place. Yeah, well, it's it's just, it's always blown my mind. But then again, looking at this Edmonton roster, and uh, I've said in this space before that I think Hamilton uh, might be the best team in the league, and, and I still stick by that now that Hamilton is uh, is getting healthy. I think that was another big byproduct of the win over the Riders. Was yeah, the Rico Murray was big on defense Rick for them. And C.J. Gable was huge on offense. Yeah, those are two was. guys they didn't have as of two weeks ago. So they're starting to get those guys back. I really like Edmonton out of the uh, out of the West. And it was uh, Joel Gasson, a friend of yours, friend of mine, that said on Twitter that uh, his prediction of Edmonton in the Grey Cup game is starting to look pretty good. And, uh, man, even with their third-string quarterback, by the way, Franklin, to me, has tremendous upside. If you, yeah. if you play in an individual quarterback lead, league and you can stash him, I would almost think about it because I think he's going to be the guy sooner than later in Edmonton ahead of Matt Nichols. Uh, continuing with the injury news, Drew Willie went down for Winnipeg. Ah! And that is a team, it's really weird. They just completely pack it in as soon as Willie gets hurt. 
Well, can you blame him? You know, the minute, like, <laughs> you see the guy that he's got behind him. I don't know how Brian Brom was ever a second-round NFL pick, but he does nothing but throw interception. Brom had that one good start. He just, he to me, he's not the kind of guy that could come off the bench. Then it was really weird. Every fan and everybody thought, well... How much uglier can it be- get? Why not put in Robert Marv, or as I like to call him, Brett Marv? You know, <laughs> put in put in Marv, give him a shot, see what he can do. And instead, they didn't do it. Mike O'Shea saying afterwards, ah, yeah, he was actually hurt. It's, that's a weird situation in Winnipeg. But you're right, I've never seen a team that, that uh, mails it in so badly the minute that their quarterback goes down. It's a, As a fan, it's frustrating. I mean, I get it, but... You know, one could argue you could you saw a lot of the same body language out of the riders when Kevin Glenn went down and Brett Smith yeah. came in. The old saying in Saskatchewan is the most popular player is the backup quarterback. Well, in Winnipeg, I think the most popular player is the third-string quarterback. <laughs> I do I do write for CFLPass.ca and actually wrote uh, an article on the, the game. Uh, I did get wet at that one, although it wasn't beer, so I was happy about that. Yep. But there was a good hashtag on Twitter, uh, what Marv did, <laughs> because he seems, uh, on the limited action that he has seen he's actually looked okay and and he always says actually i was all over uh what marv did yeah, you did uh, you were <laughs> i was in like if you needed ice cream i needed like i don't know what the heck i needed that night man but uh it was uh it, w- it was great well, i want to go through uh through some of them uh our friend croaker who's also been on the show yeah uh he had a good one uh Hashtag what Marv did, told O'Shea it was decaf coffee, but it wasn't. <laughs> I got a couple highlights as well. Fonzie Van Dam uh, spoiled the Bachelorette finale before O'Shea had a chance to catch up on PVR. Hashtag what Marv did. <laughs> I love uh, this one. This is super underrated. Uliana, uh, she tweeted, he put the lime in the coconut and drank them both together. Hashtag <laughs> what Marv did. <laughs> I know, I tweeted out one from uh, the podcast account. Cancelled plans with O'Shea, then went out anyway and took selfies. <laughs> Hashtag what Marv did. Now, here's the thing. They said he was battling a nagging injury afterwards, but why dress him? Uh, you have a guy that they have another quarterback in the practice roster. I don't know, don't know why. They said he wasn't ready, but uh, neither was Brian Brom. And, I mean, if... if then go to the single wing. I mean, take have Paris Cotton take a direct snap and just go from yeah. there. Uh, Joe Pritchard, <laughs> uh, a friend of the show, I would say. He's uh, real active with us on Twitter. Uh, picked up Starbucks instead of Timmy's. Hashtag <laughs> what Marv did. That one is... Uh, that one is right in our wheelhouse. Yeah. Uh, again, Croker passed him on the highway and proceeded to go slower than him. What Marv did. <laughs> Blue Bomber Talk, who who came up with this hashtag, uh, dated O'Shea's sister, never called again. What Marv did. Uh, and again, Joe, like, Joe was after our hearts that night, man. Uh, ate the last Timbit. Hashtag what Marv did. <laughs> These are just unreal. Like, this was like, I literally have not been so cranky after a game and then just gone to Twitter and normally, you know, I'm, I'm, I'm just arguing and ranting and stuff. But this time it was like, I'm, I'm just, I'm just reading these and it's making myself feel much 
happier. Ottawa surpasses their win total from last season, 3-2 on two after beating the defending Grey Cup champions, and I thought they looked quite good doing it. I think the most polarizing quarterback in the league might be Henry Burris. There's a lot yeah. of people that continually, you know, slam him. But, you know, he threw for 389 yards, uh, which was actually the first time he beat the Stampeders since getting traded to Hamilton. You know, interesting fact, though, with Henry Burris, did you know he's only got one Grey Cup ring? I know, 2008, and that's insane to me. Well, somebody, like, they called him a future Hall of Famer on the TSN broadcast, and then I I, I saw, like, I get his longevity, he's been great, uh, he's been a great ambassador for the league, and I'm sure he'll get in, but it always makes you just... You know, just kind of bring up a question mark. You know, he's only got the one ring, and I know people like uh, like to talk about postseason greatness when they talk about these guys. But yeah, it's just it's it's. I still can't believe that for as long as he's been around, as long as he's been good, he only has the one ring. That still blows me away. Mitz, Milt Stiegel has zero. Don't you dare say that ever again, or no. this podcast is done. <laughs> you shut thing. your filthy mouth. <laughs> I'm not trying to slam you. You shut your filthy mouth. But should Grey Cup rings dictate their status as a Hall of Famer? Uh, No, I don't think so. I think it was uh, somebody's playing devil's advocate. Uh, I personally uh, don't think so, but that's only because uh, I I love Milt, and it's not his fault that uh, Doug Barry didn't know any (laughs) other play call other than slants uh, in 07. And that in 2011, uh, Buck Pierce was uh, made out of bubblegum and twine along with a dash of hope uh, and <laughs> lost to a pro BC crowd. In B- if that great cup game in 2011, if that great cup game is anywhere else, I think the Bombers come out on top. I think so. And I mean, you, that you and I were there. That, that crowd was like, wow, kinds of loud. 07, Kevin Glenn breaks his arm. And and it's over. I mean, Ryan Dinwiddie did the best he could, but Barry kept. I mean, even I knew what play call was coming. No wonder Johnson just stood there, jumped the route in uh, in '99 when they lost to the uh, was that '99 or '01? '01 when they lost to Calgary. Uh, Troy Westwood, one of the best kickers in franchise history, and uh, really become a great uh, sports broadcaster yeah. uh, for TSN Radio. Uh, Westwood all of a sudden forgot how to kick for a game. <laughs> Is there a curse in Winnipeg, kind of like in Chicago, where that guy got kicked out for bringing the goat in? It's called We Hired Joe Mack. <laughs> the Joe Mack curse. I mean, seriously. Uh, like, uh, he's like the, the we let it's, it's You know what? I bet you it's the curse of Brendan Tam. And I bet you when he left because <laughs> he was handcuffed by ownership, not allowed to do his own thing. Brendan Tam, and to me, I respect the hell out of him as a football mind in the CFL. Uh, a great guy. I mean, he always looks like he's so grumpy in interviews. He but, does. Uh, but you know what? He, and I thought the same thing when I interviewed him for the first time. But uh, he's like, he's so not grumpy before and after the interview. It's just, it's like he goes during into, he's grumpy. <laughs> He's not even grumpy. He just goes into, I think, like media mode where he concentrates okay. on the answers and not t- tips his hand too much. But uh, um, the first time I interviewed him was at a uh, it was a rider event here in the city during training camp. We were both uh, holding on to a beer while we did the interview, and nice. uh, you know, cheers afterwards. Uh, you know, had a had a couple sips and uh, sh- shot the breeze. And no, I re- I really like him. But I bet you he put a hex on the bombers' office uh, when when he walked out the door. <laughs> You'll never win until I. Curse is lifted by buying me 
a golden jelly donut. That's how I kind of look at Edmonton right now, because they had the Eric Tillman curse. But yeah. then Chris Jones, to me, he'd be like, you know, the guy playing fiddle and the devil went down to Georgia and just, like, beat the curse, like, out of Commonwealth Stadium. <laughs> Uh, Jones Jones knows not to make sleeping pills and babysitters. <laughs> now, we have to go back to some injury news because we probably wouldn't be considered a real CFL podcast if we didn't men- mention that John Cornish is out six to eight weeks with a broken thumb. Matt Walter. Now, uh, I did see that it looks like Walter's going to be kind of splitting carries with Tory Harrison, who actually beat Keith Tostin out of a job coming out of training camp. But I do expect Walter's going to start with the job, kind of like uh, Simpson starting with the running back job in Edmonton, and now Shakir Bell showing that, hey, I'm pretty good too, you know. Matt Walter. Hey, I got him on a team. I know. I just was doing the Matt Damon thing, except it's Matt Walter uh, okay. from uh, Team America World Police. Um, honestly, it's going to depend. Uh, Harrison's uh, Harrison's an import, uh, isn't he? He is, yep. So it, it's going to see, it, to me, it's going to be a situation of what Calgary wants to do with the ratio. If yeah. you want to keep... Uh, if you want to keep Walter back there and keep that spot as a Canadian spot, you also got to think they have Cote, the fullback, who could act as a backup and, and, and spell him for at least a few carries. But uh, I think Matt Walter is going to get a crack. Uh, just like I said during our season previews, I said John Cornish is going to go down with an injury at some point and make sure you have Matt Walter. Or if you have Cornish, Make sure you have Matt Walter. Uh, so I have him in one of our leagues, and I'm now taking bids on Matt Walter. Uh, one more injury question. Uh, Willie will be questionable against BC. We've talked about that. But Nick Moore is also questionable against BC for Thursday night football on a short week for the Blue Bombers. You know what? If if this is one of those, if Willie can't go... I think you sit more out as well because he is your best receiver. But I think if Willie can't go realistically, the way the BC Lions have, how good they've proven to be, kind of surprising a lot of people in the West. I I think if Willie can't go, you sit them both down, tell them both rest, get healthy for the rest of the season. But if Willie's there, I think you'll see more there. Um, before Derek Taylor from TSN joins the show, I do want to do a, a few nonsense news items. Okay, um, I do. I do like the nonsense. You need like some. Uh, you need some music here for the nonsense news. Get uh, get something a little silly going underneath there, Travis. Okay, John. Instead of playing foolish music, I'm actually going to play some ACDC. So, I did write about this on CFL Pass. Did you see uh, the CFL jerseys? Well, ACDC CFL jerseys? I, I did, and it's uh, too bad they're not playing Regina because that would be the oh. hottest selling item in the history of concert apparel ever. Uh, those are pretty cool. I mean, you got to be a pretty dedicated fan to buy an ACDC CFL jersey and drop 150 bucks. but yeah. Then again, I'm sure a hoodie is going to be, you know, 100 So just spend the extra 50 and get yourself a, a jersey. Although, if if somebody wears one of those to a game, they qualify for that guy stats. Do you think I mean, that's offside? Oh, it's it's you become, you're just as bad as the guy that wears the generic CFL jersey to a game. Now, here's my thing. I, uh, I'm i a Ryder fan. I hold season tickets in Edmonton. I do, I do not want to wear Eskimo colors. This has me thinking about wearing Eskimo colors. Interesting. Okay, I see. I see what uh, what you're doing there. So, so you I can wear, kind of support so you wear the, the band home jersey. Team. Yeah. 
Huh. Okay, that's a that's another take on it. I I still say it's uh, still say it's a little offside, but uh, that's okay. <laughs> I'm all about being offside. So they have ACDC uh, CFL jerseys for Edmonton, Winnipeg, and BC. I'll be honest with you. I was actually very surprised, and I think this is a good nod to the Canadian Football League. I thought they would be coming out in Oilers, Jets, and Canucks colors. Yeah, but I guess when you're playing in the uh, in the stadiums that the CFL teams play in, yeah. I, I, I think it's a smarter thing. I mean, if they were playing MTS or Rexall or Rogers Place or Rogers, Rogers, Rogers in uh, in Vancouver, uh, <laughs> as they seem to have the naming rights for just about everything in Canada these days, um, uh, I could see them, you know, doing the tie-in with the hockey. But I mean, they're out in football stadiums, rightfully so. So I think you tie in with the. Uh, yeah, I, I, you know what? I've come around on it. I think it's a good way to, to be neutral while still cheering for somebody. So, like, I think I would also wear an ACDC rider jersey. Yeah, but obviously, be... obviously they don't exist. Yeah, I know. Uh, I know. I don't know where they're playing in Quebec, but they've got the Montreal Canadiens and Quebec Nordiques ACDC jerseys. Oh, Quebec Nordiques! Bring back the Nords. <laughs> that is clutch. That one actually looks really cool. Now, last Thursday, Jeffrey Orridge, commissioner of the CFL, had a Ask the Commish session on uh, Twitter, and it looks like just about every single person was asking about a CFL video game. Yeah, it would. I think it would be really, really hard to do, but uh, it'd be interesting because you got to think that like the basics of programming are there with the Madden franchise, right? And I didn't know this, but actually, about thirteen years ago, oh no, not thirteen years ago, three years ago, sorry, the developers for Madden developed a CFL game. What? Yes, and. I found this article, uh, and I did put it together for CFL Pass. Uh, they, they they developed a game in-house, and yeah. they, they changed the rules. You know, they changed the stadiums, and it was never allowed to see the light of day because, you know, the director for EA Sports, all the rights, all this stuff. But the guys in-house said it was actually more fun than playing NFL Madden. Which wow. I don't doubt. <laughs> oh, oh yeah, see it would be you'd almost wonder if they could if they could do something like that and put it out every 2 years. I mean, and offer a roster update or something. It's I think I think it would sell here in Canada. Well, here's I, I know that developing a video game is a lot more expensive than what a lot of people think, yeah. and the market for a CFL video game, admittedly, it's not that big. But why can't they make it some sort of like a twenty twenty five dollar downloadable content with Madden? I think that would be the perfect way to do a CFL game. Well, some way that you could change the rules in the state. I mean, I'm sure fans would would play, but it's it's like the guys at EA Sports take so much pride into what they do with every single player looking like they should, and every yeah. single you know. I I, I don't think that uh, I don't think like the guys at EA Sports feel like they would be doing it justice unless they went through and made Mosaic Stadium look like Mosaic Stadium and and made Darian Durant look like Darian Durant. I mean, you look at the NFL games; the amount of detail that's in those is just incredible. Yeah. So you know you have to do that almost on a full scale for the cfl game just 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 for the cfl fans and it's hard too because i mean there's so much roster turnover from year to year from week to week in the cfl that it'd be a really difficult in denver and and as you said the market isn't going to be huge for it uh, i would love to see it i would love to see some way to do it but unfortunately i just don't know if it's going to happen 
There was a CFL video game, a CFL Football 99. Uh, oh, yes. And I think it was on the computer only. I've never played it. But uh, I, I maintain the way you do it is a downloadable content. I think even some Americans would be willing to play it because we all know that Canada is more hockey crazed. But yep. some Americans, they love to play the uh, NHL game, even if they don't like the game in real life as it is, because they just love the speed. You know, it, it, it's awesome in video game format. Well, I think, too, with the... Uh with the CFL video game is you have so many of these American CFL fans that were fans of say uh, their favorite NCAA quarterback or receiver or whomever that ends up here in Canada. And at least they take a vested interest in the league, much like we do. Like when a guy like Cam Wake uh, goes down South to, uh, to, to go play in the Miami dolphins, you know, you always kind of say, Oh yeah, Cam Wake plays on the dolphins. So maybe be able to sell in some American markets. I just, I think the amount of, I would love to see it. I'm not saying that, I wouldn't, but uh, I just I don't know if we ever will. I would love to, if we did. Uh, if not, we'll have to look for uh, CFL 99 somewhere on the internet. Hey, the Bombers were good back then. I'm sure. Uh, I'm sure. I'm sure that'd be a fun game to play. <laughs> All right, Travis, another bit of uh, nonsense news for you. I know you're usually the master of nonsense, but uh, <laughs> if you follow uh, if you follow some of us on the podcast network, you could see a uh, I openly muse that I would have a beer for every single time the 2011 BC Lions were mentioned on Twitter or comments or Facebook or whatever this week in regards to the riders. Uh, the Eskimo Empire podcast uh, made an over-under bet of 30 by the time this show comes out. 30. Them and, and Josh Smith from Podski Wee Wee. Um, pleased to announce uh, it's at 37. Uh, pray for me um, because I'm going to drink all that beer this weekend. Oh, my God. 37 times I've seen references online to, oh, yeah, the Lions started on 5 and won the Grey Cup. It's totally different. You are in trouble. <laughs> I, well, you and I are, are going to record this together uh, in person rather than through the magic of technology. Um, if I'm still alive, if not, Josh has uh, stepped up and said he thinks he would be a capable co-host of both uh, Podski Wee Wee and the Two and Out CFL podcast. So, uh, Josh, if I'm dead by Monday, uh, welcome to the podcast uh, and uh, congratulations <laughs> on your new on your new gig. It doesn't pay much, Josh. I'm sorry. It pays nothing at all. (laughs) But hell, it's fun. Hey, let's get to our second uh, guest ever on the show. New friend of the podcast. And once again, through Maple Donuts and Bribery, we've convinced uh, a real sports anchor to come on the Two It Out CFL podcast with us. uh, One Mr. Derek Taylor of TSN. Derek, how are you doing tonight? I will be much better when I get my maple donuts. Those are those are coming. Is that correct? In the mail, uh, th- <laughs> they're they're in the mail right now. I'm sending them from Saskatoon. Might be a little uh, tough to get there. How about just an IOU next time I'm in Toronto? All right. Totally down with that. Or the next time I come to see a Huskies game. Oh, I, oh, the Huskies reference. Well, I'm the sideline guy there, so I'll just I'll, I'll bring it to you from the sidelines. I'll make sure it's fresh. They've always got Tim Hortons coffee there. Uh, it'll work real well. That is, I, I was the Manitoba Bison's play-by-play guy for nine years. The Huskies' atmosphere, by far the best I've seen. 
Oh, I love it. It's a, it's a party atmosphere. You know what? CIS football continues to be. I know you're a guy that respects this, respects the hell out of it. It continues yeah. to be one of Canada's best kept secrets. You know, you get a warm August night. I mean, Husky season starts. We're doing non-conference on August 21st. You get to see the stars of tomorrow. And you're right. That Husky atmosphere is just it's unbelievable. And, you know, 6,000 fans a game, toga parties, uh, you name it. It's good times. One of my favorites was uh, there was one year. I don't know if this is the thing they do. But uh, there were special seat holders, and before the game, uh, Brian Taurus, the coach, kind of came in and gave a, a little play-by-play of, hey, here's what Manitoba does, and here's how we're going to attack it. And, and he just kind of did like a little chalk talk with, with these uh, special guests, and I thought, <laughs> this is fantastic. They, they still do that, and it's fantastic because I've been on the oh. media panel for that, which means free lunch for me, usually Ooh, every exactly. Husky's home game. <laughs> yeah, and I thought, wow, you know, you could sell – you could sell me at the CFL level if you would have a coach come and do some of that for me. Everybody on the other team already knows it. I mean, just yep. give me some of that, and I'd pay extra money for that. Well, and I don't think teams are going to be so perverted that they're going to send a scout to one of those. You know, it's it's the same kind of people. They'd recognize the minute somebody yeah. walks in in Bison's colors, but it it yeah. is it, it is a really unique thing, and you're right. It's cool. I wish CFL teams uh, would do it. We'll shift from our love of the CIS, you and I both big-time CIS guys, uh, to the CFL. Derek, what is the one thing that's taking you aback a bit this season? What's the one thing that you've, you're looking at the season here, we're into week six, and you're going, holy Jeez, I did not see this coming. I okay, I don't want to be a gloomy Gus, but everybody. The thing that's taken me back is how quickly everybody is on to the rookie quarterbacks and mm-hmm. how they're the gr- next greatest thing ever. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> it's true. Like Rakeem Cato came in in that one game and he put up just stellar numbers. What was it like twenty of twenty five and spectacular numbers? Yep. And when you watched it, and everybody's like, "This is is he the next big one? Look at his escapability." The one thing I watched was. This was him. He would drop back. Where's S.J. Green? There's S.J. Green. I'm tracking S.J. Green. I'll throw it to S.J. Green. And it, and it worked out. And the first couple games, it was, who's my first receiver? That's who I'm going to throw the ball to. And when he eventually got to Winnipeg, they kind of they took him to what, picked him off a couple times and took him to that. He's growing as a quarterback, but we just have to kind of acknowledge it's, he's young and he's not doing the things that Ricky Ray does or that Mike Riley does. Yet. Will he get there? I have no idea. But not yet. You're talking about one rookie quarterback and Rakeem Cato. What about Trevor Harris? Uh, what are your thoughts on him? I thought I think he's been a little bit better than Cato. He seems to look at a second and third option. Uh, and I know he's not technically a rookie, but he is a rookie starter. Uh, he seems to be standing out in my mind. To me, he's a little bit better than uh, Cato. What are your thoughts, Derek? Oh, I would absolutely. I'd agree with that 100% just from, from what I've seen, just watching the games over and and back again and watching uh, Harris's his completion percentage under pressure is spectacular. It's the highest in the league, and he is just he does very well to the point where people in, in our building are saying, "Well, when when Ricky Ray comes back, who's the starter?" Mm-hmm. That seems almost blasphemous to, to debate <laughs> that. But you could, on some level, from outside the game, we could debate who's going to be the starter in Toronto when Ray is healthy. More rookie starters. What about Franklin in Edmonton? I'm not a fan of them going back to Nichols. I haven't liked a lot of what I've seen from him. No, I just – you look at the numbers – 
I, you look at the numbers, they haven't been great. He's throwing a lot of interceptions. He seems to be a guy that's killing a lot of drives in Edmonton. I think he's being boosted by some good receivers and some good, uh, and obviously great rushing at a Shakir Bell, who's kind of come out of nowhere with the John White injury. I've yeah, always right. thought that I thought that should have been Franklin's to run with because now you give him his chances early in the season. The Eskies are in first place, albeit by a game in the West. Let the yeah. rookie go out there with a full week of preparation. You saw a little bit, a flash of what he has. I think you give him the start, and just, if it doesn't work out, it doesn't work back out. You go to Nichols, then he has a chip on his shoulder thinking he should have been the guy. Josh Nichols has just never really impressed me, and I, I've cited it on this podcast, and I've said it a couple times, that they started a one-footed Mike Riley uh, over Nichols. Yeah, and, and Mike Riley full well deserves it, right? Like he could he could rush for a thousand yards if he could stay healthy, yeah. right? He's, yeah, for he's sure. He's such a dynamic CFL quarterback. The thing I did, I hadn't seen Franklin before this week, and the mm-hmm. thing that that I don't want people to do is overreact to three touchdowns in in his drives because yeah. he got such the benefit of a short field. Hey. Yeah, oh, for sure. And that is, yeah, no, you, I, I noticed that you were tweeting about that uh, DT yeah, on that. SC on Twitter. Uh, and you made a good point with that, but I, I still thought he looked composed. He, I, I went back and his, his game was one that I was charting yesterday. So the, the drives were 58-17 and essentially a four-yard touchdown drive because Shakir <laughs> Bell ripped yeah. off that beautiful 69-yard run. The other, the other throws, and he made, what, eight throws in that game, there were there were some really typical rookie throws, a hint yeah. of pressure, and the ball's in the turf five yards in front of the receiver. He missed another he missed another one uh, not under pressure. So while some of them the touchdown to Adarius Bowman, I wasn't super thrilled with, but with a guy like Bowman, you can obviously you can get away with a lot, right? He's so tall and so great at going up to yeah. get the ball that you can get away with a margin of error. Bless his heart. So. Oh. It was it was nice. I'm not gonna I'm I'm, I'm not gonna jump on the James Franklin bandwagon. I'm not gonna <laughs> pay 200 grand for him in our fantasy league or whatever. Right? We're, <laughs> we're gonna take it. And yeah, it's that's why I'm glad I'm not a coach because I, to make the decision to go away from Nichols, who you've been riding with for a, yep. I mean, you've had him for, in your system for a while. To to abandon him for who knows what James Franklin is. Yeah, no, that and that's a real good point. And uh, the last one, I, I I promise, Travis, I'm going to let you ask a question here. Uh, I mean, I'm, I'm quarterback. Derek and I are quarterback centric. I'm sorry for hogging this, my friend, but uh, the last one. Let's just look at Saskatchewan's situation as a whole. Uh, Tamman said this week that uh, Glenn is at best fifty fifty. I think that's his polite way of saying read between the lines. You're not going to see Kevin Glenn. They're going to go in with either Brett Smith or Tino Sinceri. Uh How ugly is that game in Edmonton going to be unless Kevin Glenn has a miracle recovery on? his shoulder uh, I, on the right <laughs> side, you have two running backs who are stellar right and obviously playing against Hamilton isn't the best time to show off your running backs yeah you Hamilton know, you, either you really at least have that but yeah, oh my god they've got that going for them uh, which is nice <laughs> yeah that was that was their entire downfall last year right like no yeah. Durant and then Sinceri, no. Seth Deggy, no. And then uh, 47,000-year-old Kerry Joseph came in and did what he could. But Kerry Joseph is uh, was a few years past the Kerry Joseph I can kind of envision in my head, right, with the, with the old Ottawa days. So, yeah, it's – there's so – what do you do? There's nothing you can do in this talk of firing a coach. I'm sorry everybody's hurt, but everybody's hurt. What do you want me to do with this? Single wing offense. That's what they got to go with. Back to the old timey. Messam direct snaps the whole game. 
Oh my gosh! If you could, I mean, if you could, there's the two guys you could do it with, right? One Canadian, yeah. one American, and both just just crushing runners. And I think I wish, I just wish, and I'm not a Rough Riders fan to any extent, but I just wish they were two and two or or two and three or something where we would not talk about them being winless because yeah. nobody else runs two running backs like that. No, no one has any has anything close to those two running backs. Absolutely. In two people, right? It's not like Cornish and Matt Walter and Calgary are running together and tearing it up or Harris and Lambala run together and just slice and dice teams. It would it's just fascinating. Yeah. And I am a Riders fan, and, uh, you know, 0-5, I think coming up on Friday, it's going to be 0-6. And, and then next weekend, they're yeah. in Toronto, 0-7, because the Argos are looking awesome. After that's a bye week, do you think there's any chance, if they are 0-7, that maybe the Axe falls on Corey Chamberlain? I always, as, as from the outside looking in, I never want, I, I don't think so, but you know what, I, you get inside it, and the the clamor and the leader post and everybody's all over up and down. You have, this is untenable. Like they, didn't they win the great cup a couple years ago? Weren't they, uh, yeah. weren't they pretty good? <laughs> like, if Darian Durant doesn't get hurt, none of this happens, right? Yep. If Durant is healthy, you can deal with losing Shea Emery and you can deal with, Hey, why isn't our defensive line getting any sacks? And Oh my gosh, we lost Weldon Brown, but Hey, we've always got Darian Durant. It's, I can't blame I can't blame Corey Chamberlain for what's going on there. I just can't. I feel like if Durant was in the lineup, then people would be blaming him instead of Chamberlain. <laughs> <laughs> well, you probably. I mean, Brett Smith has that magical. Not Brett Smith. Uh, Ryan Smith has that magical game, yeah. and then he went on the injured list, right? Like, it's it's just nonstop, and it's not necessarily any more injuries than say Hamilton has had this season, but. It's still a significant, you know, kick in the junk, right? Goodness. <laughs> I could say See, junk, right? Yes, oh, of you course can. you could say you could say junk. You could say junk, twig and berries, mommy, daddy, button, uh, cash and prizes. Uh, you've got a few euphemisms you can use. Derek Taylor from TSN's uh, Sports Center joining us today on this 2 and Out CFL podcast. And uh, one last question uh, about the Riders, Derek, then we'll move on. Uh, can they turn it around without miraculously finding the fountain of youth? or new surgical procedures that can actually turn Shea Emery into a cyborg? Oh, my goodness. I mean, when I, when I thought of that trade, I thought, oh, that's that's great. And then you heard they were going to add Jason Vega. You're like, wow, okay, so you may not miss Ricky Foley too much and you get a like a preeminent Canadian middle linebacker. That's fantastic. Yeah. And uh, it's it so hurts. And when it's a Canadian who's in an important position like that, it just hurts that much more, right? Yeah. Uh, gosh, yeah, no, it's... I wish I could tell you what's the problem with with the defense. But Weldon Brown goes down. You get Jeff. What Jeff Tisdale goes into that that which is good enough. I guess. <laughs> <laughs> it's just so tough because they're just they're just getting cut up and top you know top offenses in the league and just can't hold the lead or keep it. And it's just got to be crushing so that everybody from Winnipeg who's listening is really looking forward to Labor Day weekend in Regina. Oh, oh yeah. I'm, a, I'm the big Blue Bomber fan, but they'll always find a way to blow at least one of those games. That Well, yeah, as they put up a whopping three points this week, hey? Woohoo! <laughs> Dang. For me, I'm thinking Labor Day is our only win in Saskatchewan, so I'm like, yeah, Labor Day's coming up. <laughs> <laughs> How, yeah, 0-4, it hurts even more that it's 0-4 in Saskatchewan, right? Yeah. yeah. 
I do want to move on to the Ottawa Red Blacks, who have already surpassed their win total from last season. Uh, They beat the Grey Cup champs. 29-26. 29-26. Um, I saw that you on Twitter, you tweeted about Mark Campbell, and it's a thing that we always see in the CFL, and it is taking the safety when you're deep in your oh. own end. You hate that, yeah. don't you? I, I do, and there's a whole long origin story to it. So I was doing uh, Bison football for nine years, and Coach Doby there loves to give up the safety. Yeah. Loves it. He's within the 10-yard line. He's giving up the safety. And, and one day, this is probably now four years ago, I thought, is that really right? Is that the right thing to do? And I thought, I'm going to see if that's the right thing to do. So four years' worth of data collection and math later, I find out that at his level, it's absolutely right to do that. But in the CFL, where the punters are better and the offenses don't score as much, I think, as people think, it's actually if you can net 35 yards on a punt and there is no time consideration and no score consideration, so say second, early second quarter in a – in a five-point game, there's no – it is mathematically wrong to give up a safety ever if you can net 35 yards off a punt. I, I like it, Derek, because I've been one, and I've never been against the numbers. I've always just been – it seems like a dumb idea to give up points, willingly give up points, and then give the ball back to your opponent. But uh, you're obviously a smarter guy than me, and you've done the math and and figured <laughs> it out. I've always – I've been shouting from the rooftops that, you know, I do play-by-play of junior football here, and I'm like, no, don't give up the safety even at this yeah. level. It drives me bonkers. But I'm glad to see uh, I have a kindred spirit out there uh, with a soapbox that can <laughs> get coaches to stop doing this because you give them the two points and then you usually give them a short field anyways because that, that kickoff is, is never any good. Well, that's the thing, right? And the people think of, and sometimes when it's talked about, well, do we give them a sure field goal or do we give them two points? Well, you're not giving them two points. You're giving them two points and the ball, which at the yeah. CFL level is generally free kicks from 2008 to 2014. Uh, they usually start at their own 44-yard line. That yeah. is significant. That's good field position. Long story short, it's worth about 1.8 points. So you're giving up 3.8 points, essentially. The 1.8 yeah. is theoretical, obviously, but you're, you're not just giving up two points. It's two points and the ball, and having the ball has significant value in the CFL. So I always hate it, but people, I mean, you're just going to go for it because, oh, they're starting our 35. They're probably going to punch it in. And you know what? Yeah. 13% of the time or whatever, they don't score. Yeah. Sometimes you get a fumble. You well, never know what happens after that. And like you said, with the average drive position start, the way kickers, the way that kickers are this today's day and age, unless your name yeah. is Liram Haralahu, it seems like they can. It's they're almost automatic from about that forty-five yard range. And you said you start at the forty, your own forty-four. Wham, bam, two first downs. Next thing you know, you're you're in field goal range. So I'm I'm with you. I'm glad that I'm glad that somebody else uh, sees the light. Yeah, it's just. It's one of those things that you, I, I honestly, and it's because I don't know how much nine CFL coaches have thought about it, but I can tell like most people I talk to, most CFL fans I talk to, haven't thought about it past. It's two points versus we're surely giving them three. Well, it's not really two points. And then there's going for it from the one-yard line that also drives me bonkers. So there's also that in the CFL. <laughs> Things that drive Derek Taylor bonkers. <laughs> I like it. From the one-yard line. What are we doing kicking a field? Honestly, I, I tweeted this out one day. I was watching a CFL game, and, and it said it said eight-yard field goals make baby Jesus cry. Because <laughs> yes! 
<laughs> why on earth would you ever? And it was another one I had to sit out and prove. I'm like, why, why would I ever kick an eight-yard field goal when I could have a chance from the one-yard line? So yeah. long story short, math it out. You really have to score one time in four. So one out of every four times from the one-yard line on third and one to make it better than a 100% field goal. Yeah. Just wow. because of field position. Because if pretend you don't score, they start at their one-yard line. That is a huge advantage to a defense. Yeah. You're yeah, almost and guaranteed points. And they're probably going to take a knee in the end zone and drive both me and Derek absolutely <laughs> crazy after getting after shutting you down at the one. Exactly. So there's, yeah, I've, I've spent many hours, and my wife has shaken her head at me many, many times about math and the CFL, but those are two that really... In my uh, research, I found, oh, why, 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 why? Numbers never lie, my friend. <laughs> exactly. I picture well, you had... sitting in your basement. They they go for the field goal. They miss it. Then the team ends up kneeling it in their end zone, and then you're just going absolutely nuts. <laughs> <laughs> There's a lot of I, – I get I get less nuts as it goes along because you understand, you know, there's, there's probably a half dozen considerations I'm not really thinking of, but – just from straight-up math aspects of it. You'd love to just hand that to someone and go, here you go, take this, now you are a coach, you know better than I do, but here's some more information, perhaps some better information than you have. And, it, hell, if I'm wrong, I'm wrong. But uh, <laughs> it's, it's still, I can still get to yell at the TV, which you guys you guys know is probably the best part of watching sports, right? Well, it's it's awesome. <laughs> what are you doing? <laughs> yeah. Derek Taylor from TSN <laughs> joining us. And... TSN Fantasy, I've been playing it all season. Is there a more valuable pick right now than Shakir Bell? He's 75K, and man, that's a value. Um, the only one I can think of, uh, Ryan Smith of the Riders is 75K, and Trevor Harris at quarterback is 200, which is, I'm sure that's lowest among the starters. I think Matt Nichols of the current starters is 175. But yeah, Shakir Bell... If he can do anything, that guy's never going to leave my my roster. I was a Tyrell Sutton guy, and then Bell breaks out, and I figure, oh, I can take this guy for half the money and save a bunch of it? Hmm, interesting. I can pick up a Darius Bowman and three Eskimos this week. Yeah, the Eskimos defense is really expensive, but up against the Riders and who knows what at quarterback, I think they could outscore a lot of position <laughs> players this week. <laughs> yeah, what's your guys' take been on picking defenses? Because I've almost like I've been with the Red Blacks all season because they were cheap and they were getting turnovers, and then points you know points against haven't really foiled me too much. I really do like picking Ottawa because I'm a fan of their defense too. I mean, they always seem to be they have a great defensive line, so they're getting the sacks and you know they're getting the interceptions. But I, I just. Yeah feast on that Eskimo defense up against my own team like I'm cheering for them <laughs> yeah. to just fail and get crushed I'm with you Derek I really enjoy the uh, I've been taking the Red Blacks D and uh, I don't know if you've heard on any previous episodes of our podcast I'm all in on the Red Blacks because we have a listener by the name of Tyrell that says he's going to get himself a Brazilian at Grey <laughs> Cup if they win 12 <laughs> games so I'm all Red Blacks all the time no dead serious so we have a we do a big bit with the counter and everything so every, every time, time I see that Red Blacks defense it's cheap. They create turnovers. Uh, when Henry Burris is having a bad game, they're on the field lots to rack up tackles and some numbers. Uh, I've always yeah, been high on their defense. defense. So, Yeah, I'm trying to think of – I think I've, I had the money to uh, go ahead and grab the Argonauts this week. And I don't – you know, uh, any offensive player for the Argonauts I don't love because, you know, taking on Hamilton yeah. is not yeah. – that's where offenses are going to die this year. But uh, – 
their offense isn't exactly well okay now that i say that cj gable is back so i may have to rethink all this but <laughs> yeah go back to the red blacks on a bye maybe i don't know what i'm doing there <laughs> i'm glad that we could be uh, basically the senate for your cfl fantasy picks uh, you know sober second thought that's that the, <laughs> and donuts but i you know, i love the donuts but i'm sticking with shakir bell until he has a terrible game or Somebody comes back in because how much fun is that kid to watch right now? Oh, he, he's a treat. He's a treat. And Travis has as Edmonton Eskimo season tickets, and I'm quite jealous just for watching Bell. And it's it's only been two games, right? But to watch him duck under three guys and then rip off a ten yard run that should have been, you know, it's just straight up Barry Sanders esque, right? And yep. you know, we, we merit careful to put that esque on there, but you know. Three guys should tackle him, and he takes off. You're like, oh my god! Yeah, you can't is- count him out of a play. Like, you can't. Yeah. Oh, he's down and start drinking your beer because then he's another 15 yards down the field. <laughs> <laughs> and he's he's one of those guys that's three apples high and weighs 150 pounds. Yeah. You know, soaking wet or whatever it seems. But dang, can he play football? As my wife says about Weston Dressler all the time, he looks like a little mouse out there because he goes into the pile <laughs> and just scurries out to the side. So, yeah. uh, before we before we let you go, Derek, we know you got uh, you got an excellent sports program to put on for all of us across Canada. Um, coming up, uh, let's do some CFL picks. Uh, all right, Our, Travis and I have struggled badly at this this year. Uh, like it's it's been actually quite horrific. Uh, how have you done on the picks uh, so far? And do you feel you're going to beat Travis and I this week? Well, uh, let me. I, I didn't hear your picks for this week, but the previous week you were each one and four. So I'm hoping I could improve on that. How was this past week for you guys? Uh, well, we actually uh, each picked a different team in every game, so we went uh, two for four each <laughs> because we just we were so tired of losing. So combined, four for four. <laughs> Exactly. Perfect week combined. That's amazing. This this week we'll actually get back into picking our own teams, but uh, you want to start with Thursday Night Football, BC and Winnipeg? As I was watching uh, BC's game this week, I I looked at them and I thought, 14 weeks from now, I'm going to really think this team's a great cup contender. Yeah. really... I love their offense. Andrew Harris from you know Oak Park High School in Winnipeg, by the way. Yep. Uh, I just I love everything about them, and oh, so many. Austin Collie can get it done, and Emmanuel Arsenault can get it done, and then AC Leonard has two touchdowns from nowhere. All these weapons and all that defense. I um, like ten weeks from now. I'm really going to think they're a Grey Cup contender, and they're gonna. I mean, they're gonna they're gonna wax Winnipeg, right? I mean, if True Willie is the least bit knocked up. They're going to wax Winnipeg. Uh, I hate to admit it, but I agree with you. Like Brian Brom didn't didn't show it exactly in his mop-up appearance <laughs> after the uh, Winnipeg Edmonton. The understatement of there. the year. <laughs> oh, he, yeah. he's, he's terrible. I mean, how was that guy a second-round NFL draft pick? That's what I legitimately want to know. What it, well, he threw for like 11,000, 12,000 yards in college at Louisville there. He was, wow. a, he was a gunner, but... Uh, I mean, he showed off a little mobility, and he had some just terrible luck when Addison Richards catches one on his yeah. back and then pops it straight up in the air to J.C. Sherritt. What do you, what do you do with that? It's another, you know, uh, as, as the movie The Cooler is on TV right now with William Macy. You're like, is Brian Brom the cooler? Like that, <laughs> everything around him just gets worse. Unfortunately, just because he's there. 
It's it's so heartbreaking to see. Speaking of heartbreak, I know I speak for Travis on this one, but not me, as I've been gleefully trying not to smile during my sportscast when I say the 0-5 Saskatchewan Rough Riders. Uh, they are in Edmonton this week. I think all three of us can agree we're probably not going to see Kevin Glenn. Uh, Derek, what's your pick there? I, I, if, if, if you pick Saskatchewan, I think your Manitoba card's revoked. Just to confirm, the Riders are 0-5. Is that right? 0-5? Yeah. 0-5? 0-5. Travis, are our numbers right here? Yeah. Is that correct? You're correct. Okay. 0-5. By the way, though, their alternate jerseys are the best ones in the league. Just say that. That that watermelon thing on the shoulder, I like those the best in the entire league. Hey, we'll take it. Consolation Uh, prize. (laughs) Yeah, exactly. It's the Eskimos. And it's, I mean, even with Kevin Glenn, it's still the Eskimos for me. If Kevin Glenn was 100%, to me, it's still the Eskimos. I crunched the numbers, and I think since 1990, the Riders are 11-34, and 34, including the playoffs <laughs> at Commonwealth Stadium. So, Wow. <laughs> yeah, it's not an easy place to play at the best of times. So yeah. now it's a They're, tough situation. they gotta, they got to figure something out because, you know, it's, it's not like the playoffs are out of reach right now, right? It's not 13 games left, still got tons of time. But I just, I just hope they can figure something out because Ryder fans just deserve not to be embarrassed. Saskatchewan is a very bleak, desolate place right now, Derek. And <laughs> I, I feel like we could see, a, you know, you, you had the cooler reference. I feel like that uh, Shakir Bell could end up being a victim of, uh, of like, the movie Taken. Uh, we might need uh, an Edmonton Liam Neeson after he gets kidnapped <laughs> by Ryder fans so they can try to win. Uh, we'll move to... We'll move to my opinion. The best, uh, in my opinion, the best defense in the CFL. Montreal this year, they've been physical. They got the new rules figured out before everybody else. They're at Calgary. What's your take, Derek? This is a tough one to pick. To me, this is the toughest of the week. I ooh, uh, I think Monday's is pretty is tough for me, too. But Yeah. Yeah, I, I kind of thought Calgary would come out, and I, I wondered how they would deal with having lost Stanley Bryant and Brett Jones from the offensive line. As the season started, and you really saw that I mean, uh, Bo Levi Mitchell isn't the same as he was last year. And Frank, I mean, nobody on that offense is the same as they were last year. They've, they're a little better than they were week one. I Gosh, if I knew what to make of them. But Eric Rogers is tearing it up. Mm-hmm. Jeff Fuller had that great game one. They're getting – they have all the weapons still. Uh, on, I, I go stamps in that game mainly because they're at home that one and i i question how long montreal's offensive run will continue with rakeem cato I, I like it. And finally, the other tough one, but uh, I like the Ticats. I like the Ticats so much. I, I just uh, – I'm not even a Ticats fan. I just like what they've been doing. <laughs> I like what they showed against yeah, Saskatchewan. Yeah, uh, so I'm taking Hamilton. But uh, like you said, another tough one to pick. Uh, Toronto is in Steeltown. Uh, always a great matchup when these two teams uh, do battle when uh, we're all dusting off a hangover from the long weekend. Uh, who do you got, Derek? That one and that one I go Ticats again. Their defense is just – is silly. It's fantastic watching them play. Zach Kalaros, I enjoy him a lot. I, uh, and seeing C.J. Gable just run roughshod back in what you know what we saw him do in college and what we've seen from him in the CFL. I think that one's for me. That one's Ty Cats. And the Tim Hortons field factor, like man. <laughs> oh, I, they're finally ever. They've been. They in Toronto have been out of town. Toronto played that home game in yeah. Fort McMurray. Uh, they're finally getting back now after the Pan Am games. I can't wait to go out to Hamilton to see a game because that's it. Just looks so cool on TV that I, I just 
I have to get there. I, I I absolutely hear it's only one of three CFL cities I haven't watched the Bombers lose in. Uh, I wish that I wish that wasn't I wish that wasn't true. Uh, Derek, uh, thanks a lot for coming to the pod tonight. You're awesome. Uh, your picks are probably a lot better than ours. Uh, first off, before we let you go, where can people find uh, more Derek Taylor? More Derek Taylor. Uh, I mean, everybody watch. You got to watch Sports Center. Sports yeah. Center. We all watch it. It's an institution. See, all the time. Just flip it on in the morning and just leave it on all day long. That's the place to go. TSN 1, TSN 3, TSN 4, TSN 5. Just throw them all out there. Uh, <laughs> just, just get all the TVs going. And then uh, I, I'm on Twitter, at DT on SC. Is, a great, uh, is the best place to go. Great, great follow on Twitter for CFL fans. Uh, Derek, next time you're in Saskatoon on a Husky game day, I'll sneak you into the free lunch. You can break down what Brian Towers is doing and get back to Doby uh, with exactly the strategy, and then they'll probably kick me off the field and I'll lose my job. But either way, uh, <laughs> lunch on me, donuts on me that we owe you. Thanks so much for coming on tonight. No, thanks for having me, guys. Time for the Fantasy Expose on the 2 and Out podcast. Okay, let's start with the Stampeders and Red Blacks. Chris Williams finally, finally explodes. He's so fast. Oh He's, my god. <laughs> oh, that that is that play right there shows why Chris Williams is so good and was so good in the CFL when he made that that I mean and he was having a heck of a game. Uh, that is the longest passing play in the CFL so far this 84 year. 84 yards. With with the they've got it officially scored as an 84 yarder, but even at that, take that catch away and he still had six grabs for around 80 yards. So yeah. I, uh, I I like it. I think uh, he's starting to get back up to up to game speed, and that's uh, that's dangerous. But uh, Ottawa really has to be happy with the way all those free agent receivers are, are panning out. Chris Williams with the huge game, 7 for 162 for the touchdown. Ernest Jackson, another good game, 7 for 81 with a touchdown. Greg Ellingson, he missed some time. He was a little banged up. 4 for 54 with a touchdown. Brad Sinopoli, a little quieter, but th- there's only so many pa- passes that could go around. Uh he did have a 27-yard long, but uh, yeah, if I'm if I'm the All Caps, uh, that that defense is really coming together nicely. Uh, Henry Burris was good. Henry 28 of 43 for 389 and three touchdowns. And if you had the Ottawa quarterbacks in fantasy, you were yeah. smiling this week like a certain somebody on this podcast. Uh, the only one that I would get rid of, Mo Price, I think at this point. You know, you can you can drop him to the waiver wire depending on how uh, you know deep your league is. Also, well, we were we were asked that last week, and I, yeah. I I just don't think that with the like I said with the targets going around because I mean you look you look in Ottawa, uh, Williams is obviously Burris is number one, Jackson's right up there, Ellingson now that he's healthy is there, Sinopoli is your token Canadian. I I think Price right now is is a fifth option. Uh, at, yeah. at, I mean he's a hell of a fifth option to have, but right now he's just not getting the. Uh, just not getting uh, getting it done. And uh, Ottawa's running backs, they need uh, – I think they'd like to get Siobhan Walker back uh, because uh, Johnson, uh, Jeremiah Johnson – didn't have a uh, a spectacular game, but I don't think they needed a lot of out of him. Uh, just ten carries for twenty two yards. To me, he played about the same as <laughs> Siobhan Walker did. So I don't know if you saw this tweet uh, over the weekend. Chris Garrett, former uh, uh, running back for the Blue Bombers, actually tweeted out saying, "I don't know why I'm not playing in the CFL." I know, right? Uh, that's that's one that's always surprised me. He was the reason they got to the Grey Cup game in 2011. I mean, he had 200 yards in a playoff game, and then he, he was, was just a good, good. He's back. just gone. 
So I, I remember could he use got some. hurt. He got I, if I might be incorrect on this, but I think he got hurt in training camp the next year with the Bombers and just never really came back. And then they cut him loose. Uh-huh. Huh. So I mean. To me, I've said it before, Siobhan Walker, he is fast. There's no doubt about that. But he doesn't have that power. He doesn't have the break tackle ability. So there's just not much of a running game in Ottawa. But, hey, they got it done. <laughs> yeah, they, they did. I mean, they got it done uh, through the air. Uh, looking at Calgary, Bo Levi-Mitchell, uh, another good game. Eric Rogers once again proving you and I right, uh, picking him as one of our real deals this year, saying you should go out and get him in fantasy. Uh, six for 124 with a touchdown. And, of course, uh, Johnny Cornish with a touchdown before he goes down, but just seven for 20, and he's out six to eight weeks uh, like we were talking about uh, Matt Walter if they want to stay Canadian in that spot will be the guy moving forward now here's the thing he's not here's the thing he's not going to be worth much this season because last year Calgary averaged 115 yards a game on the ground this year it's down to 84 so Cornish obviously uh, to Walter is a big drop off and I think you might even see a bigger drop off in their running game and I will say this my personal league fantasy league uh, because we got absolutely worked by the deflatriates in the two and out CFL podcast fantasy yeah league. we did jeez wow I own Eric Rogers and Chris Williams in our personal leagues so. well this this week <laughs> I'm feeling good. pretty good uh, about myself too because I you put own up over two Hundred. I had 236 points. Uh, I had the Ottawa quarterbacks, Andrew Harris, Andy Fantuz, Rob Bag, Ernest Jeez. Jackson, Greg Ellingson, and Hamilton's kickers. Yeah, that that, that is a good week. <laughs> that that was a that was a really good week. I think that might be the highest in our in our personal league. And uh, getting uh, don't maze me, bro, uh, back on the uh, back on the winning streak. What do you make of Bo Levi Mitchell and the Calgary quarterbacks? Because for me, in our league, I am really thinking of cutting Calgary quarterbacks and picking up Toronto quarterbacks. Now that... They probably shouldn't be available, but I'm thinking of uh, dropping Calgary and going for Toronto. Now... I, I wouldn't if I was you, only because I think the Stamps have to go pass wacky here to win any kind of games. I mean, you look the minute Cornish goes down, it's basically, this is Bo Levi Mitchell's game uh, to win or lose. The 318 yards in a losing effort, uh, I think uh, even though their offensive line, line is uh, banged up and just doesn't have the talent of years go by, years gone by, I still think that they're going to have to air it out to win some games, so I would still hold on to them. Uh, back to Matt Walter, uh, one thing I'm thinking of doing in, in one of my other leagues where I have him is trying to offer him up and get something for him now, because I think you're right. I don't think he's going to do as well as uh, other years, so he might be a sell high on for that guy that's uh, maybe panicking. He's just lost John Cornish. It's time to uh, deal him uh, and get some for him. Yeah, um, I don't know what to make of Joe West and Jeff Fuller. It seems like the bulk of the targets are going to McDaniel and Rogers. But if Rogers goes down, then uh, Fuller is really going to step up. Of course, he only had the one catch for 16 yards. Bo Levi Mitchell just looking very pedestrian right now. Yeah, uh, the, the two lost fumbles uh, aren't going to help his fantasy stats. And uh, I've always thought that Bo Levi Mitchell was... 
He's a good quarterback, but I think he's a bit of a product of having John Cornish there. Or last year, they just had a strong run game and a strong yep. O-line. Uh, they're in a bit of a transition phase right now with basically everybody and their dog hurt. Uh, I believe they're about one more injury away from uh, bringing you out of retirement uh, to head down from Red Deer. Uh, <laughs> I've been retired cut- since grade 10. Well, that's it. That's how desperate they are. Um, that They're going to have you playing for the first time since you played in high school uh, right away if they lose any more uh, offensive linemen. So uh, I don't know if I'd outright cut the Calgary quarterbacks, but I would uh, I would see if maybe I could deal them. But uh, if you look at if you look ahead in their schedule, too. I mean, they're they're facing Montreal, so they are facing one of the league's best defenses coming up. Then yep. they're on a bye, and uh, then they have the rematch with Ottawa. So uh, you might be onto something there, Trav. I, I still wouldn't cut them. I think they still have some perceived value. Uh, I'd try. I would try to deal them in, in your league, though, if you could. Even at, even if you get anything back for them. I want to go back to the defensive side of the ball for Ottawa. Now, I always thought that Capishotti uh, on the defensive end for Ottawa, he's a great pass rusher. Now, it looks like they have a bona fide uh, support system on the other end. Aston Whiteside makes his debut for the Red Blacks. He gets two sacks, and two forced fumbles. So uh, that defense is just getting better and better. And if, if Henry can limit the two and outs, that Ottawa defense, of course, is going to excel. I really like what they have going on there. So if you're struggling on the defensive line in fantasy, I'd pick up Aston Whiteside. He made some noise uh, with the Red Blacks against Calgary this past week, of course, helping them win. Or if you need a Canadian, Keith Scholigan, the uh, the veteran, uh, the in his seventh year, the former Saskatchewan Rough Rider, uh, had the big fumble recovery. That's uh, two. He was really big against Calgary, so uh, yeah. he might be a, he might be a guy if you're looking for some D. Again, the D line never really produces, but uh, that's a position where you can put him in. On to the second half of the Friday night doubleheader, the Braley Bowl, one of the final installments. I will say this: after that Friday night, there weren't too many people complaining about the quote-unquote new CFL. I oh, mean, it was unbelievable. Really it was Both <laughs> games were just unbelievable, Travis. I thought, yeah. you know, either the referees have made an adjustment or the players have made an adjustment, but we're starting to see things uh, come around. Uh, 10 penalties for BC for 110, uh, 12 to Toronto for 119, but it didn't seem like it. It had good flow, uh, lots of great plays, and of course, 21 nothing. I thought I had I had YouTube videos queued up to you know celebrate me being two and zero on the CFL picks <laughs> after that game, and then all of a sudden the BC Lions and then the Toronto just just starts chipping away, just starts coming back. Trevor Harris three hundred and forty yards, two touchdowns to two picks. Uh, Brandon Whitaker not great uh, as far as running's concerned, but you know ten for thirty five. Uh, he did add four grabs for forty six yards, and it like nobody in Toronto seemed to have. And this is the thing I like about the Toronto offense is they didn't really have a a, a massive game by any means but you look some solid production Elliott, 6 for 81 with the touchdown. Gurley, 5 for 71 with the touchdown. Owens was limited a little bit. He was a little banged up, but he was 5 of 54. Uh, And I mentioned Whitaker already, so I like what Toronto's doing. Um, Ronnie Pfeiffer, uh, he's been good uh, kicking as well, uh, replacing Swayze Waters, but... uh, you know, you almost have to wonder, are one of these guys in Toronto going to step up and have a huge game right away? I feel like those receivers are the real deal, though. Elliott and Gurley oh, right. are awesome. Hazleton, is, he's pretty steady. I know he had a quieter game, four for 37, but those guys are, they have 
a lot of weapons all of a sudden in Toronto. Everybody was looking at them. Ooh, uh, you know, yeah. uh, they're going to be terrible going into this year, but they're uh, number one in a lot of power rankings to start the season. Well, I, I won't name names, but I was uh, texting with a member of the Saskatchewan media during that game, and they said to me, look, teams can work in new players during the season, and I just laughed because yeah. it's... It's true. Uh, all these guys, rookies, they're raw, but uh, they've they've got something going on there in Toronto. Something special is uh, is working out. They got lots of confidence, and Harris has been great. And they haven't even played at home yet. Yeah, here's what worries me: Saskatchewan's zero and five. They play Edmonton this Friday, and then next Saturday. The Argos finally get their first home game against the Saskatchewan Rough Riders. Jeez. Talk about talk about two two tough places to play. I mean, the they, the riders never seem to do well in Toronto. I don't I don't have the stats in front of me, but that is one place that uh, even though there is no home field advantage to speak of, they just never seem to play well there. Yeah, uh, Travis Lule continues to look okay. I mean, uh, he didn't have the best game. Uh, they started the game unbelievable. Yeah, uh, but after that, it was just. Uh, and, and I'd almost say that they started that game more on Andrew Harris and Travis Lule. Lule yeah, Andrew me, Harris had the hat trick. Oh yeah, he was. Uh, to me, Lule was disappointing. Uh, only eighteen to thirty-two for one sixty-five and a touchdown. But it, this was the Andrew Harris show uh, early yeah. on. Toronto. The biggest reason Toronto came back is they found a way to limit the damage from Andrew Harris. Uh, Led his team in both rushing and receiving. Uh, 12 for 72, two touchdowns on the ground. 6 for 57 with another touchdown uh, through the air. Uh, Toronto did a good job, though, of taking away uh, Manny Arsenault. Only one grab for the 13 yards. Uh, it was... Uh, they've they made adjustments and give the Argos full credit. They came out at halftime, took away Andrew Harris on top of already taking away uh, Arsenault and found a way to come back. A.J. Jefferson had the Arsenal assignment, absolutely shut him down. And then towards the end of the fourth quarter, because I was worried about going 0-2 in my uh, pick <laughs> uh Jefferson got banged up, but Arsenal didn't really come back and do anything. And it was much of the same uh, against the BC, the BC and Saskatchewan game, because when West Weldon Brown got hurt, then all of a sudden Arso, Arsenal comes back. You know, yeah. and then they beat the Riders in overtime off of his uh, touchdown. Yep, uh, it so, was just—it was weird to see him be so quiet. You're right, even yeah. when uh, Jeff and Jefferson is quickly emerging. If if you can get him for your defensive secondary, I have him in one of our leagues. Uh, he's he's a good pickup. He's going to get you points every week, and and he always uh, has the potential to to run one back from a from an interception return. Yeah, I drafted him in the one league, and I'm sure everybody looked at me like I was stupid. But uh, <laughs> no, no, because I had him queued up in in the player queue, and I was yelling at you. Oh by yeah, text I stole message. all of your players. <laughs> oh yeah, yeah, we did. That was that was awesome. Yeah, and look, was... and, and look who has the better record in our personal league. It is definitely not me. Yeah. <laughs> by the way, mark me as paid. I've paid in our league. We brought this up last week. Oh. <laughs> I'm gonna break into your house and watch you sleep. <laughs> so the Argos beat the Lions 30-27 to in one of the final Banjo Bowls. And then we move on to a game that... You mean Bra Braley Bowl? Now yeah, you're thinking, you're thinking of uh, Winnipeg. You're thinking of the Banjo Bowls. And uh, like I like to do when the Bombers uh, lose badly, uh, my wife oh. bought Reese's peanut butter spread. It's delicious. Oh, yeah. Um, you talk about how terrible the Bombers were. I'm going to go get myself uh, toast with Reese's peanut butter on it. I'll be right oh. back. <laughs> Those poor... 
blue bombers. Yeah, John just ditches the podcast when we talk about them. It was literally 4-3 Edmonton. Things were looking okay, I guess, when it comes to uh, <laughs> uh, the Bombers. And then Drew Willie got hurt, and then the entire team gave up. Matt Nichols, this is interesting, too. He actually looked okay for Edmonton. He went 17 for 25, 196 yards, no interceptions, no touchdowns, and he gets yanked from the game. I'm, now, I'm, his- I'm, I'm just eating it with a spoon. I'm, 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 I'm not even waiting for toast. I was too impatient. I'm just eating Reese's peanut butter, uh, chocolate peanut butter with a spoon right now. Yeah, so I go for the ice cream and you go for the, the chocolate peanut butter. <laughs> oh, my God, it's so good. But Matt Nichols and I... It was weird. He was not playing bad. and there was But he hasn't three played good. There was three or four bad drops uh, for Nichols, and he would have been 80% completion rate with over 200 yards and no interceptions. But he just, to me, he doesn't look settled. He doesn't look confident. Uh, I mean, Franklin sparked that offense, and Franklin looks like he's ready to take over. I mean, again, remember Matt Nichols is the guy, and I've said this before, they started a one-footed Mike Riley over him in the postseason just because they had that little faith in him. I mean, his numbers this year aren't great. I mean, he's got four TDs to five picks, 72.6 passer rating. He's only he's barely under 57% completion, so I don't think he's the guy in Edmonton. I've never there's just some about him that doesn't inspire confidence. Uh, maybe this will be a wake-up call for him to go out and, and have a better game. But even in that game against the Blue Bombers, and I watched every miserable minute, he wasn't. He didn't look strong to me. His numbers don't look bad, but I didn't think he was great. Uh, and Franklin showed what you can do, when, especially when you have a legitimate running threat like Shakir Bell in the backfield. It already has been announced that Matt Nichols will get the start. I got to assume, yeah, with James Franklin uh, coming in and getting three touchdowns on five completions, that he uh, has a really short leash. Yeah. I will say this. Derek Taylor, who was on the show earlier, he tweeted this out. Now, it's very interesting. Uh, the drives that Franklin had were very short. Yes. 58 yards, 17 yards, and one was a 73-yard drive, but that included a 69-yard run from Shakir Bell. <laughs> yeah, so it's not that, like that he makes was, it really easy. It's not like he was carrying his team uh, for amazing 75-yard drives nonstop, you know? I, I just thought he looked better. I think he's got more upside than Matt Nichols. And if he can if he can be consistent and show that, I don't think I, I think Rakeem Cato is a good example of you, you don't have to always be afraid to throw at a rookie quarterback if the situation is right. I would imagine we're going to see Franklin on some design packages uh, this weekend. Uh, and again, if you're in an individual quarterback league, I'm in one of those. Uh, I know, uh, again, the beauties of being up at four in the morning is I'm definitely grabbing him uh, to be my backup quarterback because I think at some point this year he takes over before Riley's back. Dynasty leagues are becoming more and more popular in uh, CFL fantasy, and James Franklin has to be one of the more popular picks, as well as, yeah, Rakeem Cato. If you got those guys in a dynasty league, Rakeem I would be very happy. Rakeem Cato! <laughs> yeah, he... Man, that guy's the real deal. Um, and they got a bye week heading into Calgary. I, I, I think Calgary's going to be pretty worried. As far as Edmonton goes... Now, I'm not blown away by their receivers. Bowman, I think, is awesome. Kenny Stafford is a good receiver, but they're not... 
you know, they don't come at you, and I, I wouldn't say they're as good as Toronto's. I wouldn't say they're as good as Saskatchewan's even, but they have a running game, and that's the difference. Well, they just they just do enough. I don't. I think if they ever get in a situation where they need to go to the air to win, I think they can do that. There is enough talent there, uh, but they're just they have a real nice even spread right now. I mean, even look at the receiving yards so far this season. Bowman's got two hundred and seventy. Stafford's got two twenty five. Lawrence got has one hundred and sixty five. So nice even distribution among uh, those guys. But you haven't really had to you haven't had to really go to the air to win a game so far for Edmonton. Uh, don't be surprised if they get down by if they somehow get down uh, a couple touchdowns uh, early. Uh, you'll see them absolutely uh, airing it out. Uh, but I mean, y- you look at like Shakir Bell already has 239 rushing yards and essentially yeah. two games. I mean, he's been unbelievable. There's no need to throw when you're when your running back's been that good. I do want to talk about um, Edmonton or Winnipeg's running game. When is Cam Marshall going to be the undisputed starter uh, it has for to the soon. Bombers? I, I, I like. <laughs> I've always liked what they do. That they're right now, they're almost splitting carries fifty-fifty, and, yep. and I think they should continue to do that. Only because you've seen the, what fresh legs can do sometimes in the CFL. Uh, to me, that game was more of a rugby game more than anything. Uh, the turf was slippery, and Winnipeg really abandoned the run once they went down those uh, those couple of uh, the, once they went down a score. So. Uh, I'd stay away from Winnipeg's running backs from a fantasy perspective, but I think at some point Marshall's going to take over, but you'll always see uh, Cotton be used to spell him off. It's definitely nice to own uh, Jamal Westerman in fantasy. Nine tackles and a sack, so he he's looking awesome for them. That defense, though, I... I mean, they're they're not they're not the best. I, I, I got I got a room full of the Reese's. You talk about them. <laughs> I have a hard time being mean to them because I'm just not a mean guy when it comes to it. But I think it begins and ends with their middle linebacker. When your middle linebacker gets one tackle, that <laughs> that's not the best. <laughs> Yeah, that's that's not that good. But I have heard a lot of people saying, man, you have to give uh, Jesse Briggs the shot. He's another yeah. Canadian. Throw him in at linebacker, and he might actually do better than Hurl. Well, it's uh, it's they're still decimated from years of Joe Mack. Uh, they are. I, I, I had this question posed to me today at, at work. You know, what happens if, if the Blue Bombers miss the playoffs again? And, and as a Bomber fan... There's no expectation that they're going to be in that. Any rational Bomber fan knows there's no expectation they're going to be in that Grey Cup game come November. So I think all Bomber fans are are, are hoping for some microcosm of of improvement. And they've been so decimated from what a terrible job that Joe Mack did Mm -hmm. that you really need to... They needed to completely restock the cupboards. There was nobody there, Canadian-wise, that you could build around. So I think Winnipeg, I said it before the season started, I think they're one more year away, and they're starting to prove it a little bit. They are better than last year, even though the the, the record isn't the same. Uh, they're better than last year, just to, just from what I see. And uh, But I still don't... I'd still be shocked to see them in the playoffs this year. The Eskimo defense, to me, is terrifying. Every single member of that defense should be owned in fantasy. And if you are in TSN fantasy, we, uh, of course, talked about TSN fantasy with Derek Taylor. Yep. I mean, (laughs) they're against Saskatchewan. It's going to be either Tino Sanceri, Brett Smith, or a banged-up Kevin Glenn. 
they will probably be the most expensive option, but probably the option that's the most worth it this, uh, this Friday. Oh, yeah. I believe week eight, when Edmonton uh, visits Montreal on TSN's Thursday night football, uh, the game is going to end one nothing on a <laughs> rouge kick through the end zone in overtime because those two defenses are the top two in the league right now. Yeah, if They should uh, just have defense versus defense on oh, the field. I'd oh, love yeah. That. If, you, if you haven't even heard of a guy that's in the Eskimos defense, coming into this weekend and you need a, a fill in for a bye week just pick them up and start them because they're going to have a good yep. game yep absolutely <laughs> it's going to be a you know a target practice for them on friday uh speaking of the riders Oh, and five. Jamie Thomas last week he was completely right i actually had faith and it looked like they were going to to do it and then there was the trademark Kevin Glenn interception and then he got hurt and then it uh, all went downhill from there. Well, to me the Riders that was the best game they played defensively all year. They're actually oh, yeah. getting some pressure on Zach Caleros, uh but here's here's another thing that I look at. You like minus the one field goal attempt from 58 yards. Let's take that out of the equation. Justin Medlock had seven field goal attempts, taking away the long one. That means that they allowed the Ticats to get into field goal range, legitimate field goal range, six times on top of, you know, the the other touchdowns, the, the two other touchdowns that they had. So to me, it's just... Uh, it was it was ugly. It could have been a lot worse for Saskatchewan. I think they made some good defensive plays uh, when Hamilton got into crunch time, but you can't really count on that bend-but-don't-break defense because eventually that's going to backfire on you. Yeah, Tyron Brackenridge is picking up a lot of flack from Ryder Nation. He got burned what the hell on was the he first doing? touchdown. Yeah, that was, a, that was a rough one that they showed. And to me, he's my favorite player on the Riders, so it's pretty hard for me to criticize the guy if I'm being honest. But, uh, he had a, you know, he has a tough personal situation heading into this year. Maybe he doesn't have his complete head in the game right now. But are we going to say that Terrius George, John Chick, Tyron Brackenridge, and all these guys are getting old at the same time? Well, like, uh, <laughs> here's the deal with, with Brackenridge. I think there's so much pressure, especially in the Ryder secondary right now, for guys like him, a veteran guy to step up and do something that, that I think he's, he's trying to do too much. And that's exactly what it was. That's the, Him selling out for the big hit was trying to do way too much. Uh, the other issue you got to think, too, with the Ryder's defensive line is, is as long as Shea Emery is out and they don't have that Canadian playing at middle linebacker, they can't roll out all four of those defensive linemen. So yeah. you're essentially, by by the ratio rule, they're limiting their ability to do something. Now, an interesting thing, again, this is this is unverified, but I heard it on the Ryder postgame show. Luke Mullinder started openly musing that he's heard that, and this is coming from Luke Mullinder. Uh, I love Luke. I respect the hell out of him. He's a great commentator. I'd love to have him on the podcast one day. Uh, Luke came out and said, again, not officially, that Shea Emery's issue is a, a little bit more serious than anybody's letting on, and and he would he wouldn't be surprised to not see him back. Uh, the thing is with uh, with with injuries, I've learned as a media guy, there's two ways the team handles it. Number one is to come out and say, "Hey, um, he's out for the year for sure," a la Darian Durant, and the other way is is they just kind of stop talking about a guy. At once he's on the six-game list, a la Shea Emery. We haven't yeah. heard a word about him here for a long time, so it's going to be... Uh, I, I They need him back badly for the ratio reasons and for... I mean, he's a great player in the CFL, but 
it's uh oh it's it's just it's it, i i hope he's not out long term yeah, because that defense for me, I think what they lack is a uh, an edge, uh, an aggressiveness, and I think Brackenridge is trying to do that. If Emery were in the lineup, it is no secret that he would have a, an aggressiveness and an edge to that. I know a lot of fans are complaining about the Ricky Foley Shea Emery trade. You can't foresee no. an injury like this, and I think if Emery was on the field, he would be more valuable than Foley would have been. But nobody really saw Alex Hall being this bad either although i think he actually he had uh his best game statistically uh on this game well him and chick they're not beating guys one-on-one like they used to no they're not neither one of them is doing it and one of those guys is gonna have to start now i thought chick did a little bit better in the last game and so did hall but if you're gonna do one-on-one coverage with those guys they they gotta they gotta make teams pay for that. And they're just not doing that right now, and that's part of the problem. I mean, so so and the Riders right now they used to be able to get such good pressure without blitzing, and that's been their trademark for the past few years. Those four guys along the defensive line brought pressure without the blitz, so they had all the defensive backs, all the linebackers just sitting back there waiting for something good to happen. And that hasn't happened at all this year. They haven't been able to get the pressure. So now you're bringing in guys like Brackenridge on on the same blitz we've seen 102 times. I mean, Hamilton had a play di- designed for the Brackenridge blitz. They, they knew they knew it was coming. And C.J. Gable ripped off a massive gain because they knew exactly what was going to happen. So Kent Austin's that smart. Well, Kent Austin's got smarter. Are the riders that predictable? Yeah, <laughs> that is super predictable. I just think here that Chamberlain has his hands in you know, too many hats right now because he, I think he just has to focus on being the head coach. He's not Chris Jones. No, um, he, he, he is a – well, I don't know if he has his hands in too many hats. He's always – he has always essentially been the defensive coordinator even when they were good. I mean – yeah. You know, Richie Hall was there, and Hall had more input than I think Greg Quick does, but he's always called that defense, but it's just, they were left so thin personnel-wise. I mean, coming into the season, there's one guy to me that was on the bench that could be a legitimate CFL starter, and that was and that was Keenan McDougal, and he went out for the year in, like, game one. Yep. So... There's not, like, they, the Riders loaded up on offense and thought these rookies could get it done on defense, and they're just not doing it, and there is the root of all their problems. On the Hamilton side of the ball, uh, Rico Murray comes back and makes an instant impact. He had the interception. He had five tackles. And if you own Brandon Banks in fantasy, it is super, super frustrating. No points. Yeah, no receptions, and of course, no uh, kick return touchdowns. So he did not give you any points this week. That well, is super frustrating. Well, Ken Austin is is dead set on not using Brandon Banks as a receiver unless yeah. he absolutely has to. Now the CJ Gable's back. Gable is going to be the guy running back. They were trying some stuff with Banks out of the backfield. Uh, it looks like Banks is way down on on the depth chart. Uh, I mean, right now, I mean, Collins had, had a had a great game highlighted by the big catch, three for seventy three. Uh, fantastic. Fantuz just keeps fantuzing. Uh, Tolliver, a sneaky good game, two for 54. Uh, Grant had the most catches, five for 52. And even Gable with three catches out of the backfield. So there's some legitimate weapons there that Banks is now behind in in uh, Hamilton. So 
He's he's an all or nothing kind of guy. If he scores on a long punt return touchdown, he'll get you some points. If he doesn't, uh, yeah, he's not getting you anything. I uh, was shocked. Uh, C.J. Gable comes in and they give him twenty touches instantly, and obviously worth it, one hundred and thirty-five yards. So Hamilton does have a rushing game that makes it a little bit easier on Zach Caleros. What do you make of Junior Collins? Now it was his debut: three catches, seventy-three yards, and a touchdown, including the one where he burned Tyron Brackenridge. This might be a guy to, to watch as the season goes on. He might be one of those guys that comes out of nowhere has an awesome season is a fantasy dark horse jasper collins is is i think you're right i think he he showed he has the speed and the skill to be that guy again he did it against a really really bad saskatchewan team he i did. would i would pick him up i wouldn't start him necessarily if you have the receiver depth to just stash him someplace i would do that because i don't know if he's going to be a, a featured receiver just yet uh but i think he's going to be uh I'd, I'd i'd pick him up and stash him and see what he does in the next game or two here because again everybody's numbers get a little inflated against the riders this year uh let's see what he does against that great secondary in toronto and then uh, they play winnipeg the week after let's get to the picks it's everyone's favorite game show are you smarter than two overweight canadian podcasters pick the weekly winners in the cfl on facebook or twitter at two and out cfl all right buddy we're running a little late today so let's just hammer these picks up as fast as we can bc winnipeg uh, I'm going to take BC, and we should say we're running late because Derek was 100 times of awesome and sounded <laughs> way smarter than us. Again, thank you to Derek Taylor, uh, TSN. You're going to notice a theme in my picks. Uh, Derek and I are going to agree a lot. This is my new strategy. I'm picking a BC, Saskatchewan, Edmonton. We both know. Let's say it on one, two, three. Eskimos. Edmonton. <laughs> And uh, then, we said Eskimos or Edmonton. Ah, whatever. We, this we, is like the the punter and polar bear situation. <laughs> Nanook and what's the what's oh punter? Yeah, punter. I just said it. Oh yeah. <laughs> yeah. Now I feel like an idiot. Now for me, the games get tough. Now, yep. usually I think ah, I'm going four for four, and then something surprises me. I can't see Saskatchewan or Winnipeg. Winnipeg has a better shot than Saskatchewan. It's surprising us, but. They've got a puncher's chance because they're at home. Yeah, it'd be the, the, that investors group field factor. I love that stadium. Love those fans. The games get tough here. Montreal, Calgary on Saturday. Who do you got? I'm going to go. I was going to take all of Derek's picks, but I, I got to go with Montreal. I know he's not high on Rakeem Cato. He made a lot of really good points. He does tend to lock into a receiver, but I think that Montreal defense is still surprising some people, although this is Calgary's second look at it. I'm going to take Montreal, but this one's going to be a late field goal. Yeah, I'm taking Montreal, too. It's a super, super close game. Uh, on the CFL Pick'em website, I got the confidence on about 35%. So I have it at two. Okay. <laughs> That's awesome. Toronto and Hamilton. It's almost like uh, a Labor Day game since it's the long weekend. It's on a Monday, but it's at uh, 5 o'clock uh, Mountain Time. Who do you got in that one? Cue it up. You know the song I'm going with. You know the song I'm talking about. Let's let's let it let's let it buck. The Thai Cats are humming. The Thai Cats are going to beat the Argos in that one, but another tight one, Travis. Taking that too. Uh, I think the Argos could surprise us. I got the confidence low on that one as well because, uh, you know, I thought the Argos would go into Fort Mac and get crushed by Edmonton. You know, I thought they would lose in BC. I, mean, I did pick them, but with the time zones and, you know, things like that. But they could surprise us, but I'm still picking the Tiger Cats in that one. Beautiful. There. 
now wait till we get these all wrong again. Yeah, hopefully we don't go 0-4. <laughs> we we could because we've got the same picks for uh, for all of them. Do we, we go the same for everyone? If we go 0-4, yeah, we did actually. I'm okay with it because then Winnipeg would win, you'd be happy, and Saskatchewan would win, and I'd be happy. So that, yeah, yeah, all's yeah, right okay. in the world. Yeah, yeah, so if we somehow go 0-4... Um, I we have to think of some sort of punishment. Uh, if you think of something we should do, uh, minus the punishment I'm already doing for uh, <laughs> counting the number of times 2011 has been referenced. Uh, if you think of punishment we should do at two and out CFL at Travis Lee 87 at John CJWW on Twitter. Thanks, as always, for listening. I'll let you do the extra because you don't screw them up. <laughs> That's episode 10 of the 2 and Out CFL podcast. Thank you to Derek Taylor from TSN for joining the show. Follow him at DT on SC. Rate, review, subscribe on iTunes. It's Fraser and Kura, and we will talk to you next week.